You are Locked On Indians, your daily Cleveland Indians podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Take Two of Locked On Indians. Making sure to not hit the mute button this time. I think most of you would prefer to hear me talk than just dead air. I am Jeff Ellis of Locked On Indians, formerly of Scout, formerly of 24-7, currently independent. We're doing a mailbag edition. I have been hitting Twitter up all day to get questions, and they keep steadily coming in. So let's let's dive into all these questions that have been hopping in. Any I don't get to today, I might wrap around for next week as well. Just want to make sure I'm not missing any. There we go. Uh, here we start. At Fran Wheels One, what do you think about the whole Cleveland Citizens thing? I don't love it. I'll be honest. That's it's not a name that's all that intriguing to me. It's not all that fun to me. I would pass on Cleveland Citizens. That's me. Um, maybe some of you out there like it, and that's fine. Everyone can like their own thing. It's it's not for me. At Bo Freakate, Bill Abel, do you trade Jose Ramirez at the deadline if it's clear the tribe needs to go into full rebuild? I mean, I would consider it. If they're just truly awful, like I've been talking about on the show, you know, back in 2008 when they had the 500 season, you could consider moving Jose Ramirez. And why would you consider moving Jose Ramirez at this point in time? You know, he is 28, so he is in his prime. He has signed for multiple years. But again, at this point in time, he is only here for two more years, maybe one and a half because in, after 2023, he can leave. So they'll be looking to move him actively in the 2022 season. So for as much as I do think it's unlikely they move him this year, I don't think it is completely beyond the realm of possibility. <laughs> what is sad to say is one of those things where I'm like, well, he's got only three years of team control left. Yeah, that I have to utter that sentence. Uh, by the way, his most similar batter through age 27... Hank Blaylock, that kind of scares the crud out of me. Age 26 was Gary Sheffield, at least that's a positive. Uh, then Richie Hebner, Joe Gordon, Sean Green, another guy who kind of hit a wall. Uh, Evan Longoria, another wall. So <laughs> three of his top five are guys who kind of hit a wall a little bit earlier than you'd expect. Chris Sabo, similar batter overall, someone else who hit an early wall. He's just full of some comps that are a bit scary. But yeah, I think they could consider moving him, especially if it's a team that just runs into the wall um, with all the moving parts and all the things that they have. There's a lot of reasons why this team could not be very good. At Davey Barris, uh, ask, you know the minor league system. Everyone is looking for the next guy who will be Linder, but who will be the next Jose Ramirez, a guy who comes up looking like their ceiling is a utility player and they just have the right attitude and raw skills. That's a very good question. It's like, who is that guy who could be I'm just trying to pull up a list right now because often that is my problem is I forget those guys even though I often stump for them uh you know who's the the guy who isn't that top prospect like Lindor was one of the highest rated prospects ever to go through the Indian system he is up there with Sandy Alomar and Carlos Santana those are the three players who have carried the highest prospect ranking in terms of all of baseball uh in Indians history so who are, you know, so he was a guy that we knew about. We were pretty safe in that assumption of what he would be. Jose Ramirez was never a, even a top three guy for most of his time in the minors. Looking at just kind of an Indians list right now, as I'm running through, 
I think Owen Miller could be that guy. I think there's a chance for him to be more than uh, than he gets credit for. It's interesting. I mean, looking through these lists, it's always again it just shows the disparity and the the jumps and the levels. Um, I you know if they get Kaye Tom back, I'm still a firm believer there. Uh, you know, Gabriel Arias is one of those guys where you know I've talked him up on this show, but he's still like. I'm looking at the MLB list. They have him sixth on their prospect list right now. And the Indians really like him. Really like him. And he's one of those guys that, if everything clicks right, could be a truly special talent. We'll see if that happens. But he's not, you know, he's not Nolan Jones. He's not Tyler Freeman. Uh, After the year he had Tristan McKenzie. Those three are all going to be ranked in the top 100 prospects in baseball. I don't know about uh, if Arias will be there. So I don't know if that quite fits it. At Glenn Longwell 89, do we actually have great starting pitching or do we just look or did we just look like it this year playing only other central teams? I think there's something to that, um, if I'm being honest. I think we saw, you know, Savali come back to earth a little bit. Saw McKenzie fade as the year went on. No one's really sure uh, what Plesak is. I mean, when he was pitching well, he was pitching really well. Carrasco... Who knows if we'll even be there. Uh, and, I mean, it might have helped Bieber have the fantastic year he had. For as much as we want to talk about it, he had that great year when he finally faced, you know, teams that weren't in the AL and NL Central. He he got pounded. It was not a good outcome. Uh, Bill Abel, back again. Bo Freak 8. Predict the Indians' young uh, rookie slash young player. They'll have a breakout year. I kind of need to through the baseball reference draft finder for this. You know, part of me does, again, want to go with Owen Miller because I think he's a little bit uh, better than he gets credit for. And it is weird how he's like, he was a guy who was like borderline top 10 in the Padres system this time a year ago, and all of a sudden he's like 15 in the Indian system. It's like, wait, no, uh, the Indian system is not as good as the pot. It's, it, it's the lost year. It's the fact that a lot of people thought he'd be pushing for the majors. It's that he's not an eye popper, if we're being honest. But I think he is a little bit underrated right now in the grand scheme. If I'm looking for someone who's going to pop, I'm probably going to go back to that 2019 draft class. I'm just kind of looking through names. And boy, I did not like that class. Um, revisiting it doesn't make it really any better, especially because now I'm just having the flashbacks to going over the data for that class uh, when we got to the 2019 class. I mean, like, ooh, you know, let's talk about someone I haven't talked about at all, but who is my perennial breakout guy now that I go and look at the 2018 class. Uh, Brian Levastida, if you're looking for a guy in the lower minors who could have a ton of helium, could be a guy who pops. And if you're looking for guys who could help the Indians as rookies who aren't the biggest names, who aren't in that top 30 list, uh, Adam Scott and um, Robert Broom, pair of relievers long-term. Scott's been a starter mostly in the in the minors really good lefty like the stuff isn't eye-popping but it's average and average stuff with the lefty is an MLB arm broom is a he could be what they thought they were getting in um gosh why am I blanking uh the side armor that they just traded to Florida that they got in the deal with Mejia Simber like broom could be what they thought Simber was going to be so three guys from that class kind of popped for me as I was looking at that uh Tron Javolta uh, where will the Indians draft rank among the last five drafts? Uh, it's going to be worst because there's five picks. Um, I mean, that might be a bit 
you know, flippant, but it's the truth. There's no way that it's going to be anywhere other than fifth. I mean, they had, I'm sorry, six picks because they had the comp pick, but it's still, it's a six-player draft. Uh, I like what they did with those six drafts, and I mean, it's, I, I almost, let's put it this way, like, if we're just going to look at, like, their top six picks, it's certainly better in 2019. 2018, I still prefer that class. Like, that's one of my favorite classes they've had recently. There's so, you know, I, the guys I talked about, I'm still a big Raynel Delgado fan as well. Uh, 2017 is, you know, like, at first you want to say, oh, man, they didn't have a first rounder because they signed Edwin and Quinton Holmes didn't work out. I mean, Ernie Clement's now in the 40-man. Eli Morgan's now in the 40-man. Karen Chalk was part of that class. Kyle Nelson's on the 40-man. They've had some hits in that class. And Ty Freeman was their second pick, so that's worked out. And then 2016, I mean, that's the best. Uh, you don't even have to say, hey, you know, you should just be like, oh, yeah, that is the best. It's Bieber, Savali, and Plesak. Does the rest of the class even matter? Um Ryder Ryan was who they used to get Jay Bruce to help him out at the deadline a few years ago. Nolan Jones was their second rounder. And even though Will Benson has not worked, and I'm still heartbroken over the fact they took Logan Ice over Sean Murphy in the second round. Uh, Connor Capel, I'm curious to see what he can do with St. Louis. But, I mean, he was a central piece in allowing them to get Mercado and his at-bats. Samad Taylor went to the Blue Jays. I'm trying to remember what that deal was like it was a small t- deal and he's been let go by the blue jays this year i was sad to see that like i thought he was a an interesting prospect one of those like under the radar guys i couldn't wait to watch um now i gotta remember who they traded him for and by remember google search it uh oh he was with thomas pannone for joe smith those are the two uh pieces and they let both of them go because pannone uh went to the angels this year but uh Yes, I mean, even guys that traded away, they got some good value. Um, It's that, I mean, 16 is totally the best. Then I would probably say 18, then 17, then 19, then 2020. Again, it's six people. It's hard to really have a strong class when there's only six people. What is having a strong class right now is Built Bar. Uh, I just did a reorder. I got a mixed box, and I did the candy cane brownie because I do like candy cane and peppermint things. Now, I do often warn you guys to not necessarily get that box because you're going to have that a lot of that one flavor. So I went with the 6 and not the 18. But I went with the, I looked at all the flavors, and there's so many I do like, but I went with the mixed box again. It's just nice to get all of those different flavors and types. Uh, that is my fourth order from Built Bar. I might be single-handedly keeping this, uh, you know, them on is a uh, an ad a sponsor for our show that's what we call them man brain dead but I keep ordering because I love this product I keep coming back because it's something I support it's something I enjoy right now next to me I have the built bar go um, which they have as a drink uh, that you add to your drink that's like an energy and it's kind of like a thousand percent of your daily vitamin c and things like that and it, this is what I love about built bar is you know when I got the bars I love them I thought they were great uh, I did not love the Go. And then this summer, they completely rebanded everything. The bars got even better. The Go is now something I'm drinking two of a day. I threw away the last ones they gave me. They worked on this, and now it is something that I'm going through two packets a day of it. It's great. Uh, eventually, I'm going to try their broth. They have so many things. So go to BuiltBar.com. Use the promo code LOCKEDON. It's a great deal. It's a great product. BuiltBar.com. Promo code LOCKEDON. 
And then we have a new podcast on the network I want to point out as well. It is called Locked on Bets. Uh, betting on your favorite sport doesn't have to be a guessing game. If you listen to Locked on Best, hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling, get daily picks and quick hitting advice to make you the smartest possible wager. Subscribe to Locked on Bets prod- podcast brought to you by betonline.ag, wherever you get podcasts. If you're someone who's into betting, uh, who's into that stuff, go check it out. This is a new big podcast on our network. I know nothing about gambling, so I can't help you. I don't always understand how lines work, if I'm being honest. So if you want that information, probably not going to get it from me. Go check out Lockdown Bets. Back to our mailbag. Uh, back to Beaufreak 8, Bill Abel. Thank you, man. Uh, hopefully you listen to the podcast. Uh, but you're really helping my mailbag today. I, I sincerely mean that. Has the ship sailed for the Indians to be sold? Doesn't feel like the Dolans can afford a pro baseball team. I don't think they want to sell the team. Uh, they are actively trying to find another minority owner, and it's going to be hard uh, because you need to give tens of millions of dollars and then not have any power. It's just so you can be like, hey, I own 20% of the Indians. Like that is the, it's, it's bragging points. And yes, you know, you probably will make money on your investment. The value of franchise always go up. And I guarantee you the Indians are turning profits most years. So there is that. But again, the Dolans don't want to sell the Indians. They can't afford to own them 100% on their own right now, it is clear. So I don't think it's so much the ship has sailed as I just don't think they have any interest in selling. Uh, At, okay, at one Avery one, I have a lot of great interactions with Avery online and Bill, honestly, through the years here. Is there any reason to think that given a chance to play full-time, Yu Chen Chang couldn't put up an OPS of, say, 95 in a two-war? Is that so far out of the question? And if not, why wouldn't he be given a full shot at shortstop or second base since that wouldn't be far off from what we got into in 20? I don't think that's unreasonable. Two-war is a you know uh, an average starter. I might lean more towards like one to one and a half. I do think he is going to strike out a ton. I do think he's going to hit like 210. Um, But I think he can play an average shortstop. I think he can play a slightly above average shortstop. And until recently, that was the longhand standing view of most people I talked with. There's been some like regressionary chatter, but I think he can can be an average to above average defensive shortstop. He will walk. Maybe not quite enough to turn him into a regular, but the and the power is legit. Like he's above average to plus power in game. So I think, yeah, I'm totally fine with if this team is going to be bad, like I would have rather seen him get at bats again last year than Mike Freeman, so we had more of an idea. And like to me, Chang and like Owen Miller, these are legitimate prospects. I'd rather see them play. Like I have more faith in them than the retreads we run out there. Let some of these young kids play. See if you can find something. You never know. Like, shouldn't you chew, you know, to bring up another um, Asian player? Yu Chen Chang was, is Taiwanese, I believe, and Chu was Korean, so I don't want it to be that. But, like, uh, Seattle gave up on Chu, and he was kind of, you know, he had to fight and keep proving himself to even get an opportunity in Cleveland. Uh, let's let these young guys play and stop with the retreads. Mike Freeman doesn't bring anything to the organization. Chu could, you know, or, or Chu. Chang could. He could end up being better than we think. I have often thought that he is going to be an average regular, so I, I don't think that's beyond. Joey Donuts, uh, Joey Donuts underscore. Uh, I believe he's a White Sox fan who does listen, so thank you for listening. Uh, I have some good interactions with him as well. And 
he asked if I could steal one player from each AL American League Central rival team and fit them in the Indians roster. Who would you take and why? I feel like I, I need to put some restrictions on myself for this. Um, or maybe I just go look at roster resources and say like, okay, uh, it can't be one of their top, you know, say who would be if I could just grab anyone. And then if I couldn't take like one of their top five players. So let's, let's do it that way. So the unrestricted and then restricted. If I go and I look at the Chicago White Sox with the needs on this team with the Indians, it's, I don't trust Jose Abreu. So uh, I would take Tim Anderson, uh, especially because we're going to trade Lindor likely. So yeah, Tim Anderson is my guy. And if I can't take one of their like top high end players, like if I can't take someone who's got, uh, you know, a, a super high ranking, I'm probably looking at their bullpen and trying to steal Aaron Bummer, who had a bit of a down year last. Well, no, he did not have a down year last year. He just got hurt and didn't get a chance to fully show himself. So that would be kind of my lower down the chart pick. Detroit Tigers. Page is loading. Uh, Willie Castro. No, I'm kidding. Uh, you know, I, part of me wants to say, like, Candelario. He performed really well last year, I thought. Uh, you could plug him in as a first baser DH, and he'd be an upgrade for the Indians. Under the radar, uh, Jacoby Jones might be that guy. Like, he was really hitting before he got hurt. Uh, under the radar could also be Willie Castro. I mean, boy, did he hit last year. Uh, Brian Garcia was was pretty solid in short innings, as was uh, Gregory Soto. Are some names to know? I mean, Spencer Turnbull, I would consider too. Uh, th- those are just some names with the Tigers, Kansas City. A year ago, it have been Solar. Um, I mean, Whit Merrifield. They need a second baseman. He just keeps performing. But if you put the blocks on them, uh, Carlos Santana. No, I'm kidding. Um, Who's kind of the second division type of guy for them? You know, not their their high end, but someone I would... And their bullpen is really strong. Like, Jesse Hahn was good. Scott Barlow is kind of where I was leaning to. He had some, you know, uh, filthy numbers a year ago between strikeout rate and walk rate. Greg Holland was great, and they got him back for under, like, under three mil as well. That's a surprisingly good pen over in uh, in Kansas City. And Minnesota so many choices right like it, part of me wants to just say Kepler because they need an outfielder uh so badly in Cleveland and it's an interesting team to look at uh in Minnesota they have a lot of depth but um if they don't bring back Cruz that lineup is just very very different yeah I'm probably leaning towards Kepler uh, as the player just off the top because you know they need outfield help so badly in Cleveland and uh, when you look at his profile, it, it, Chang's offensive profile might be a poor man's Max Kepler. Here's a guy who, through his career, is a was where can I where's a two thirty seven batting average, three nineteen on base, four forty four slugging. Yeah, I could see him uh, Chang doing some similar numbers. Let's put it that way. Uh, Nineteen, twenty, and then thirty-six home runs. Uh, I don't know if Chang's a thirty-six home run guy. So that's why I said a poor man. But just to bring that back around, and if you can't get their high-end guys, I don't know. Could you like? If, does Buxton not count as high-end? At least he's he's a very good defender and a league-average bat. Like I'll 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 take that. Um, 
in a heartbeat. I don't know if he counts as high-end for them or not. Kevin Schneid at Schneidology about how deflating the offseason is. I totally agree. It's really crappy. Uh, at Captain uh, Video with a zero, Pat, uh, is there a tangible chance the Cleveland Baseball Club departs from Cleveland in 2023 when the lease of Progressive Field expires and how tangible, especially with Portland slash Nashville trying to get an MLB team? I don't think it's tangible because the Dolans have Cleveland ties and for all the negatives we can say about them, they want to keep the team here. Uh, the, th- the Dolans want to be invisible owners. Moving a team makes you the opposite of that. They do have Cleveland ties. I think they're going to stay. I don't think that's really a concern. They might be penny pinchers, but they're not broke. This isn't like Art Modell where he had to you know, go get a loan to sign players. They're billionaires, okay? They have money. They could afford to spend more, but they're operating the Indians as a business where they want to make money off of it. So they are operating with tight margins. And I do not think that there is any chance of worrying about them going. And especially after kind of the issues there have been um, recently with negative publicity with baseball in general, I don't think there's much interest in moving teams. And moving teams has always been, uh, you know, very not as common in baseball. I was just trying to think in my lifetime, like, yeah, the Expos left, but what other baseball team has moved? I'm going to pause the podcast and do a quick look and see the the most recent team moves. I'm sure someone out there is yelling, you know, about the Texas and uh, the like, but let, let's look. So that's, I was right. So Montreal was 2005, Texas Rangers was 72, Seattle Pilots was 70, Kansas City to Oakland Athletics was 68, and the Milwaukee Braves to the Atlanta Braves was 66. Those are your last, the five most recent moves. So it's also, like I said, it's just not something that happens. Baseball has enough bad publicity. Uh, At Cleveland DRT, agreeing with Schneid and myself, that the off-seasons are just terrible, and it's something that really hurts the game, where the off-seasons for other sports are actually things we enjoy. And in baseball, it's long, it's boring, it's slow, and very little happens. Um, It's just another example of how baseball screws themselves. You know, I I don't use language like that typically on the podcast. They don't know how to promote their game. They don't know how to promote their players. They don't know how to set this thing up to be successful. They don't set it up to steal headlines. They don't set it up to win the news cycle. I have been writing about baseball, podcasting about baseball, since, gosh, like 2007, 2008 maybe. Uh, I mean, before that, I did some small writing. One can probably find things dating back if you did a good enough look to like 2003, 2004. You know, when I started reading like Sickles and Mayo, not Mayo. I love Mayo, but uh, both the sand, uh, the condiment and the writer, Sickles and Callis, uh, and started, you know, doing my own things with trying to follow prospects and learning about the game. But I officially started at Indians Baseball Insider. I was the first person Tony Lestoria brought onto that site officially uh, in 2008. He had had, I think the guy's name was Dennis, had done some draft coverage. And the guy at the time honestly knew more than me about the draft. Like, I have no problem admitting that. Eventually, I did replace him. But, you know, Dennis was really invested in that. So he had done some writing on the site. But I was the first guy officially brought in. And I wrote a whole bunch of, you know, I remember like my first article was Diamonds in Single A, you know, writing about like Connor Graham, who the Indians got for Raphael Betancourt and uh, Alexander Perez, one of those first prospects that broke my heart by getting hurt. And I've been doing it for this long. And there are times where, you know, I, I think back to my in-life friend, Andrew Clayman, who used to write at Waiting uh, for Next Year. 
was an Indians guy there you guys might be familiar with. And I remember visiting him when he lived in Chicago and him telling me how smart I was that I was writing about the baseball draft. It was an up-and-coming thing. And, you know, it has improved, and the coverage on it's gotten a lot better, and there's so many more people writing about it now. But there are honestly times where I'm like, I made a terrible mistake <laughs> falling in love with baseball and trying to be someone who writes and covers it. Because for as much as I do love it, they are killing the game. Like, you know, I watched the TV show Brock and Meyer, and it's like the end of that show where they're talking about, like, all the things baseball is trying to do to stay relevant. And it does feel like that at times. Like, I understood that joke, and it hit way too close to home because they just don't know what they're doing. They don't know how to promote or, you know, they don't understand their sport. And it's just frustrating. And you look at things, and having been someone who writes about baseball, you know, what happened when Scout went under? We got bought by 24-7. They brought their football guys over to their CBS site, and they stuck with football and NBA. And eventually, slowly but surely, they cut all the baseball because it's not as profitable. Baseball jobs have been, you know, slowly but surely get chopped. And it's just the sport. It's the first that goes. When you look at that big three, and honestly, you know, I'm a teacher. I am someone who loves video games. I could do a whole nother like locked on video game podcast. Uh, you know, the minute I get done with this, I'm going to go play some cyberpunk. I know we don't need to get into that right now. It's, it's running for me on my PS4. I'm going to leave it at that. But, you know, I've been a video game player my whole life, and I know enough to know that esports are very quickly, if they haven't already, are going to pass baseball. Like, that is what I should get into if I want to find a future in sports journalism, because that's the up-and-coming area. Baseball has just managed to squander it at every turn, and it is just, it's deflating for me. It is hard as a fan of the sport, as a, a sport I genuinely love, to see them just free agency. Let's... Let's take what is interesting in every other sport and somehow make it uninteresting and boring. Let's take what every other sport benefits from and make it one of the worst times of the year and make it something that for some teams is never interesting. And again, part of that is because the uncapped nature of the sport. And I mean, a salary cap in general is one of those things that as a fan of a mid-market team, I always kind of feel like, oh yeah, it'd be nice. But then I also think, why are we capping and making it so billionaires can make more money? These same billionaires who, I mean, you look at the other sports, who are just, why is there so much movement of franchises? Those, I mean, you're guaranteed to make money in the NFL and the NBA. It's a capped sport, and they have you know set revenue, and when they can get a better deal, they move, and they get their new free stadium and all those tax breaks, and we keep giving you know these. And then the billionaires cry sadness like they did during COVID. And it's like, and remember, Major League Baseball is currently trying to sue their insurers to get back some of their lost money. And we can just go back to a few weeks ago on the podcast. And I talked about the Atlanta Braves where, yes, they could have lost $20 million this year. But over the last three years, they are up $90 million. Um, I am a school teacher, have been for a decade. Uh, most I have ever made. And again, I want to say this as a school teacher, we don't get summers off. It's a 10-month contract. We don't get paid during the summer. We agree to let them pay us some of our money then. So I agree to get paid not all of my money up front in a deal. I always get that from people. I'm like, no, that's not the case. Even though I have a master's degree, I have never broken 50000 in a year as a teacher. I only state this to also then point out every time there's a new stadium... You, me, and everyone else in the area pays for that. 
And, you know, for all of the money lost this year, they're still up on the long run. They're still up in the past three years. And remember that Major League Baseball is suing insurance companies to try to get more money back. They are just telling minor league baseball teams, you can go where we're telling you you're going to go. And if you don't like it, then we'll go at, we'll go to another team. They are taking minor league baseball and chopping it up, basically uh, extorting teams, for lack of a better word. Uh, you can you can go to a single A or you can not be part of the minors anymore. Like that is essentially what happened in Fresno. And for as much as they want to make you feel bad for them, it's impossible. And those owners at the top, Manfred, remember, is picked to be just a puppet. He is their, the puppet that has always been the MLB commissioner uh, since C-League. has had no power, basically. It's a puppet position for ownership. And those owners don't really care about marketing their sport. They just care about making money. And it's a business. And that's fine. You can make money in a business. I don't have any issue with that. But when you make poor decisions, don't complain about it to me. Uh, man, did I get a little too real here at the end? Uh, maybe revealed a little too much about myself. Uh, I don't know. End of the week, frustrations with the sport, frustrations with the way things are handled currently with this. Again, every other sport, free agency is interesting. That opening week is just the opening night is crazy. Baseball, Mike Miner is maybe the biggest contract right now so far. Mike Miner, who was terrible last year. Carlos Santana, who couldn't hit 200 and had a massive down year. We're still waiting, you know, and you go back to two years ago when we waited forever for Machado and Harper. And it's a mess. And until they can figure things out better at the top and figure out how to market a fantastic sport that, you know, is the most difficult. You have to work your way through a minor league system that no other... Yes, hockey has minors, and there's the G League, but baseball is the one sport that it is almost impossible to go from a college to a pro. You have to work your way continually. There's more ways to to have you know flameouts in, and it is a sport that you have to be just an exceptional talent to make it through, and it's a beautiful game, and I just wish those in charge felt the same way. I've been Jeff Ellis. This is a super long Locked On Indians Thank you for listening, and as always, Go Tribe!